Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. Now today what we're going to do is we're going to learn more about the Father Heart of God but we're going to focus in on one particular thing, one particular thing that you might not be aware of, that you might have been neglecting in your life and I want to show it to you because it's essential in your life, it's very helpful. It's very easy in the day we live in to be a Christian and think you know God and be missing out a whole aspect of what God's like. It happens even with human relationships. I mean, just think about it right now. If you was on a boat somewhere stuck at sea, who in this church would you want to help get you out of that problem? I bet not many of you know this, right? But Ephraim has a GCSE in navigation and seamanship. So if you were stuck, you would need Ephraim, right? He, Ephraim has the skills to get you out of trouble if you're stuck somewhere in the ocean. Now, a lot of you are thinking, I never knew about Ephraim. All this time I knew him, I never knew it. I had to know Ephraim for 10 years to find that out. Now, in a similar way, there's something about God that a lot of us don't really know. Or we kind of know, but it's fuzzy in our head. And we're missing out on so much help that we can get in our life because we don't know about this. So I want to help us focus on that today. The thing we're going to focus on today is Father God's paideia. Is paideia. That is not a dish. (laughs) That is a Greek word, paideia. Okay? Now I want to give you this Greek word. I'm not going to give you the English word yet. I'm going to give you Greek. Now, if you know a bit of Greek, please don't now say to the person next to you, I don't know what that means, and say it. I don't want that. I just want you to think paideia. It's a good word. It's a positive word. I want you to get the Greek word first, okay? I know you like your Greek words like agape and koinonia. I want to give you a word today, paideia. Father God's paideia. Now, this Greek word is used in the, in the context we're looking at today. It's used in the context of a father bringing up a child, of a father raising a child, of a father training up a child. And the Greek word is paideia. Now the thing is, this is a wonderful thing, but as human beings, right, we have a natural desire to actually run away from Father God's paideia. We have a natural tendency to run away from him raising us, bringing us up, and training us. Now, you might be thinking, surely not. Why would anyone want to do that? Well, let me give you the English translation of the Greek word paideia. Discipline. Yeah. Now you know why I said paideia, right? Because as soon as I say discipline, thinking discipline, I don't want discipline. Give me the good stuff. You said last week there was this honey. Give me the honey. Well... This is part of the honey, Father God's paideia. But in our culture, the word discipline has got a negative connotation. So some of you at work have been through the disciplinary process, or you've heard about the disciplinary process. 
And there don't seem to be anything nice about that, apart from when you're doing it to someone else. And some of you associate the word discipline with teachers at school, uh, from my age and older, you know, we used to get hit by our teachers. In my school, the teachers used to even get other boys to hit you. They would give some kind of weapon to another boy and say, yeah, your turn tonight. And then you'd get a beating from a boy in your same year. And so when I hear the word discipline, I think of that. I think about getting cracked with a slipper in the dormitory. That's what I think of. So I like the word paideia. I like thinking about Father God raising us up, bringing us up, training us. It's a positive word, even though our culture makes us think discipline is a negative thing. So that's what we're going to look at today in Hebrews 12. We're just going to read it out. If someone could put it on the screen, that'd be wonderful. So Hebrews 12, I'm reading from the Net Bible, the New English Translation. Thank you. Hebrews 12, verse 5. Hebrews 12, verse 5 says, And have you forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as sons? My son, do not scorn the Lord's discipline or give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son he accepts. Endure your suffering as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you do not experience discipline, something all sons have shared in, then you are illegitimate and are not sons. Besides, we have experienced discipline from our earthly fathers and we respected them. Shall we not submit ourselves all the more to the father of spirits and receive life? For they disciplined us for a little while as seemed good to them. But he does so for our benefit so we may share his holiness. Now, all discipline seems painful at the time, not joyful, but later it produces the fruit of peace and righteousness for those trained by it. Let's pray before we go through this text. Father God, I pray that you would renew our minds as we read your words now. I pray that you'd help me to represent you properly as a loving father. I pray that you would soften all our hearts. I pray that you pour your spirit upon us by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. And I pray, Father, that your son would be glorified in what we look at and what we think about now. Amen. Okay, so my first point today is that Father God's discipline is the way he brings us up and trains us. Father God's discipline is the way he brings us up and trains us. Hebrews 12.5 says, And have you forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as sons? My son, do not scorn the Lord's discipline or give up when he corrects you. So it's talking about the Lord's discipline And it's talking about when he corrects you, it's talking about correction. So what is God's discipline and what is his correction? Well, like I said, discipline sounds like a negative word to us, right? Which is why you're going to hear me refer to the Greek word often and say paideia. It's to do with upbringing and it's to do with training. In this context, the idea is that God is a loving father who adopts children 
And he lovingly brings them up and he lovingly trains them and he lovingly corrects them. It's a positive thing, it's not a negative thing. So that's the first corrective there about discipline. Discipline is a positive thing, not a negative thing. But here's my second corrective about discipline. Discipline is a process, not a final straw action. Discipline is a process, not a final straw action. It's too easy to view discipline as a final straw action, to view it as a parent who's just had enough with their naughty kid and suddenly shouts, come here, you little, and gives them a smack. That's often how we view discipline. When people talk about discipline in their children, we're thinking about someone who's angry at their kid outside the newsagents and just lets leash, leash, lets loose a whole bunch of swear words and hits their kid out of anger. And it was like the final straw that broke the camel's back and the parent is now like, that's it. But that's not actually discipline. Discipline is a process And as you raise kids, discipline is a process that starts with teaching your kid what is right and what is wrong. Sitting down at the table in the morning, having breakfast with your kid, teaching them what is right and what is wrong. It's a process that involves when your kid does wrong, saying, you know, son, that's wrong what you just done. Your heart was selfish when you just done that. And talking to your child about what was going on in their heart when they committed the sin. Not just what's going on with their external behavior, but what's going on with their heart. And it's a process that goes on through their whole life. Now there may come a stage where one day a parent says to their kid, you have to leave the house now. And that could be discipline too. But that's the final stage of a whole process of discipline that's been going on throughout the child's life. So discipline is a process, not a final straw. Same way with church discipline. When you hear the word church discipline, often the first thing people think of is someone being kicked out of the church. And you think, yeah, church discipline is when the elders say, right, you're not in the church anymore. But when you read Matthew 18, you see that church discipline starts with one believer going to another believer in the church privately, yeah, privately, and saying, Listen, you sinned against me. And dealing with it then, and if they listen, you've won your brother over. That's that's discipline, and that is church discipline. And if they don't listen, then you get someone else and you go to them. And there's a whole process, and if the person's unrepentant the whole time, it finally leads to them being kicked out of the church. But even then, discipline isn't over, because the whole point is so that they would come back into the church repentant. So discipline is a process, not a final straw. So when I said we're going to look at the Father's discipline, some of you might be thinking, I'm going to hear now about the time when Father God's going to go bang and give me a big crack around the back of the head. And you're thinking about discipline as a final straw, but discipline is a process that should be going throughout our Christian lives. So, discipline is a positive thing, not a negative thing, and it's a process, not a final straw thing. And Father God's discipline is the way he brings us up and he trains us. That was my first point. So how does God exactly do this? How does he give us discipline 
and correction. I think that God primarily disciplines us through his word, through people, and through trials. God primarily disciplines us through his word, through people, and through trials. Check it out. I haven't got it on the screen, but in Proverbs 3.1, in Proverbs 3.1, we see how God uses his word to discipline us, how he uses the Bible. Proverbs 3.1, he says, my child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. This is the father's paideia here. This is the way he raises up his kids. He says to them, my child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. His teachings are his word in the Bible. So Father God raises us up, he disciplines us, he trains us through the Bible, through his word. Now he also does it, I said, through people, through other people applying God's word. So check it out, Proverbs 15.22, Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail when there is no counsel, but with abundant advisors they are established. It's talking about the wisdom of having other people give you advice. Now sometimes this could be advice that doesn't seem too in your face, but other times... It could actually be God sending someone to you who's going to actually tell you right in your face what you've done is wrong. Got an example, Galatians 2.11. Galatians 2.11, this is Paul writing and he's talking about Peter when Peter's come to Antioch and he's done a wronging. And it says, but when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he had clearly done wrong. So here you've got the apostle Paul going to the Apostle Peter and right up in his face opposing him and telling him, you've done wrong. Now, Father God loves the Apostle Peter. What he's doing here is giving Peter paideia. He's raising him up as his kid, as his boy. He's training him and he's doing it in this instance through sending someone else to him to oppose him. And I think Peter would have taken it quite well Because Peter was a godly man steeped in scripture. And if you read Psalm 141.5, and you've got to memorize this, right? Psalm 141.5, okay? In my translation, my paraphrase, it says, May a righteous man slap me. May a righteous man slap me. In the NIV it says, Let a righteous man strike me. It is kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. What the psalmist is saying is he's praying to God and he's saying, God, send someone to slap me. Send someone to slap me and I'll take it because I need that kindness. I need God's paideia in my life. I want to be a son who's raised by the greatest dad in the universe, even outside of the universe. I need this. So send someone to slap me in the face. That's what the psalmist is saying. In my paraphrase, anyway. So, another way that God disciplines us is through trials. Through trials. So, you will know this one. James 1, James 1, verses 2 to 4. 
James 1 verses 2 to 4 says, My brothers and sisters, consider it nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect effect, so that you will be perfect and complete, not deficient in anything. Father God doesn't want you to be deficient in anything, just like I don't want my kids to be deficient. And so what Father God does is he gives us trials in our life as part of his paideia, to raise us up the right way, to train us the right way. So God primarily disciplines us through his word, through other people applying God's word in our lives, and through trials. Which means that applying the Bible in your life, like when you've read the Bible recently and you've seen... I don't do that. And you repent and you ask God to forgive you and you ask God for the grace to live out what you've just read. When you're doing that, you are actually enjoying being a son of God. You are receiving his paideia. Remember I said last week about when I watched Boys in the Hood when I was a kid and my mate was saying, oh, I wish I'd had a dad like that who could teach me the the way, show me the ropes. And we wanted a Lawrence Fishburne who would sit us down and give us those three rules. Well, we can have that, but much better than Lawrence Fishburne, (laughs) right? We can have that with our heavenly father. Reading the word, taking that honey, seeing where we're wrong because we see what the word says. And it's Father God bringing us up, training us up, giving us paideia. Now, the other way it works is through other people applying it to us. So that means when someone comes to you and says, you know, I think you've done wrong there, this is a wonderful opportunity to receive the Father's paideia, even if you think on the spot that you're not wrong, which, let's face it, that is our natural instinct, isn't it? Straight away, we're like, no, I'm not wrong. But remember King David, when that guy's cursing him, and one of David's henchmen's like, oh, go and sort him out. And David's like, nah, because maybe God's speaking through him. Even when someone comes to you in the wrong tone and says the wrong thing, there still might be something there. Because we are all such terrible sinners, there probably is going to be something there that we can take on board and receive as a lovely slap in the face, (laughs) which is actually the paideia that we need so badly. Because we're so stubborn that if God hadn't sent someone to give us a metaphorical slap, metaphorical, okay, don't go around greeting one another with a, Lovely slap. Okay, that's not what I'm saying, right? I'm speaking metaphorically. So someone comes to you in a way that it feels like a slap, but you can say, you know what? Firstly, I'm glad they don't know the half of it. I'm glad they don't know everything that does go around in my head and that I do. And secondly, I'm going to go to God and see if there is something I can learn from this, something that I need to repent of. And then when you're going through trials, when you're going through difficulties in life, suffering or great obstacles, to see that as the Father's paideia, that he's raising you up. And it's so difficult to see it at the time, which is why I'm explaining it now, so that when you do go through a trial, you can see, ah, the Father now is giving me the upbringing that I need. So these are good things. The Father's paideia is good. It's all good. God's word is good, people correcting us is good, and trials are good. The problem is not the Father's discipline, that problem is us. Because, this is my next point, 
we respond the wrong way to the Father's discipline. We respond the wrong way to the Father's discipline. Hebrews 12.5 says, And have you forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as sons? My son, do not scorn the Lord's discipline or give up when he corrects you. It starts off saying there, have you forgotten? So the writer of this letter is writing to these guys who are probably Jewish Christians. And he's saying to these Christians who have been going through a hard time, by the way, right, they've actually had people arresting them and people confiscating all their property. So if you felt like you had a bad week, you might have had a worse week than that. I'm not saying you didn't, but probably the majority of us in this room haven't actually had all our possessions raided from our homes and accepted it joyfully like these guys done. But this is what's happening to them. But the author of Hebrews is saying to them, you've forgotten something. He's saying, have you forgotten? They've forgotten something. There's something important in the Christian walk that they've forgotten. In the same way, we all forget this every day, which is why we need to keep being reminded of this. And what he goes on to do is he quotes Proverbs 3, and he says, my son, do not scorn the Lord's discipline or give up when he corrects you. He starts off saying, my son. This is intimate father-son relationship. Okay, now that's good for us blokes. For your ladies, I think it's perfectly permissible to read that as my daughter. Okay, it's true that there's issues with how the inheritance worked in the Old Testament. Yeah, but I don't think we need to worry about that too much. I think it's fine to read this and be like, my daughter. This is for people who've been adopted by the Father. These are people who have turned to Jesus Christ, put their trust in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose again. And they've been adopted by the Father, and the Father addresses them as children and says, my son. And then it says, do not scorn the Lord's discipline or give up when he corrects you. So what these guys have been doing is they have been despising Father God's discipline. That's why they're giving this warning. Do not scorn the Lord's discipline or give up when he corrects you. They've been scorning God's discipline, his paideia, and they're close to giving up. They're a bit like, have you seen that show, The World's Strictest Parents? Okay. All right. More honest this week than last week, yeah, when I asked who's seen Boys in the Hood. Bless that one honest hand that went up. But, okay, world's strictest parents. You get these kids, right, who are despising the discipline of their parents. You hear their parents say, we tried grounding them, we tried doing this, and the kids just despise that discipline. Okay, now we can watch that show and think, oh, these kids are horrible. But that's what we're all like at our core. We're all like, and without God's grace on us, we would just go as far as we wanted to in that area of rebellion, scorning the discipline of our parents, scorning the discipline of the church, scorning the discipline of God the Father. What's interesting about that show is that normally by the end of the show, when they've been disciplined by these other parents, you see that they actually love the discipline. They need that paideia. They've been despising it, and their life has been going down the toilet as a result. And then when they start receiving the paideia, then you see them change. 
They're just like us, though. They don't want to respond the right way to Father God's discipline, and we don't want to respond the right way to Father God's discipline, which is why Proverbs 3 was written and why Hebrews 12 was written, because we have a tendency to despise God's discipline and to give up, as it says there. Do not give up when he corrects you. Maybe some of you in this room are even close to giving up. You've been experiencing God's discipline and you're ready to give up. Maybe you have friends who've given up and left God when they've experienced his discipline. This is our natural inclination as humans to do this. We respond the wrong way to Father God's discipline. And knowing this helps. Knowing your weakness really does help. If you know this is my natural inclination to respond the wrong way to Father God's discipline, then that's going to help you to see why you reacted so badly that time someone came to you and said, you know, I think you've done wrong here. That would explain why when there was a trial in your life, you got angry at God and you thought, well, I've had enough of this God thing then. That would explain why if the church has ever said, you know what, we're going to do this now, and you've not wanted to do it, you'd be like, right, that's it, I'm out of here now. Because that's your natural inclination. It's my natural inclination too. Knowing it is part of the solution. But I want to give you something else to help remedy this, which is my next point. That discipline is a sign of Father God's love and acceptance. Discipline is a sign of Father God's love and acceptance. Hebrews 12 verse 6 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son he accepts. This is why we shouldn't respond the wrong way to Father God's discipline, to his paideia. If you have faith in Jesus Christ and if you're going through trials right now, if you're going through a difficult situation This does not mean that Father God is angry at you. Rather, what it means is that Father God loves you and he accepts you. If you have faith in Jesus and recently someone has come to you and said, you know, I think you're doing wrong here. I think this is a sin. That's not a sign that Father God doesn't love you. That's a sign that Father God loves you and accepts you. If you have faith in Jesus Christ... And you've been reading your Bible recently and realizing, you know what? I've just been doing this all wrong. That is a sign that Father God accepts you and that he loves you. Also, it says, he chastises every son he accepts. Now, chastise here is to, is to punish, okay? And you don't really want to look up this word, okay? Because in the first century, it meant to whip someone. Now, you've got to understand, the first century is a totally different time to the century we live in now, okay? So you've got to be careful when you look up words and you're like, right, it means to whip. And then, you know, you could run into a lot of trouble this way, okay? But in this context, this chastisement means, by the way, that's why I think some translators use the word chastisement. Because me, I was like, why do they use the word chastise? No one knows what that means. I looked it up, I was like, whip, okay, makes sense. But in the context... It means to punish a child in order to bring them up the right way. To punish a child in order to bring them up the right way. So when you think whip, you're just thinking some merciless guy ripping the flesh off your back. 
And you might not get that this is talking about punishing someone, a child, so that they're brought up the right way. It's a bit like controlled smacking from a loving parent to their child. Now, let me explain controlled smacking. Maybe not all of you have heard of controlled smacking. Maybe I'm going to get a visit from social services tomorrow <laughs> for this, especially because I homeschool as well. Now, smacking, right? Some of you, again, think smacking is outside the news agents on the street where the mum's really stressed, and then suddenly, just out of nowhere, there's a big bang like that. That's not what I'm talking about. Let me explain controlled smacking. Controlled smacking is where your child has done wrong. They have done wrong. They've broken the rules you've set out. But more importantly, they've broken God's rules. And what you do, not in anger, but you take that child and you explain to them what they've done wrong. You explain to them that they've disobeyed their parents, that they've disobeyed God as well. You explain to them what they've done wrong and you explain that now you are going to discipline them. Because that's what the Bible says. That's what God's word says. And you give them a smack, not in anger. You give them a smack, and then the child says, I'm sorry. And the parent says, I forgive you. I love you. And gives them a big hug that outweighs the smack. Yeah? So the child afterwards is left in their parents' arms, receiving this love and understanding that the smacking they had was part of their parent loving them and bringing them up the right way, giving them paideia, controlled smacking. So, it says here that God chastises every son he accepts. Think of that like controlled smacking. Now, if you believe in Jesus and you feel like you've had a smacking from God recently, realize that Father God is loving you. It's a sign that he accepts you. Discipline is a sign of Father God's love and compassion. Which leads to my next point. That discipline is part of being a child of God. Discipline is part of being a child of God. Hebrews 12 verse 7 says, Endure your suffering as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you do not experience discipline, something all sons have shared in, then you are illegitimate and are not sons. Now, he's talking about some specific suffering that these guys are going through. Remember, some of them are getting arrested. Some of them have been having their possessions in their homes confiscated. And he's writing this to them. And remember, we've seen that suffering is one of the ways Father God disciplines us. Maybe you're going through your own suffering right now. It might not be the same as these guys, but you're going through your own suffering. And the message for you today in verse 7 is, enjoy your suffering as discipline. God is treating you as sons. Endure your suffering as discipline. God is treating you like one of his children. This suffering is part of going through discipline. It's Father God bringing you up Raising you up, training you, is part of you being a child of God. Discipline is part of being a child of God. It's so important to get that suffering does not mean God is angry with you. It's so important. Romans 8, I think Tim quoted it earlier, yeah, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Reason being that Jesus Christ took all the condemnation for his people on the cross. 
Father God's anger was poured out on every sin that you have made if you are in Christ Jesus. Which means that if you're going through suffering right now, it's not Father God saying, yeah, I'm angry with you now, I'm going to get you. No, it's Father God's paideia. It's the way he raises you up, trains you the right way. Suffering is part of being a child. I don't bring my kids up with a golden spoon in their mouth. It wouldn't be good for them. I don't make sure that there's never any suffering in their life. It wouldn't be good for them. They wouldn't grow up right. How do kids learn to put their hands out when they fall down so they don't break their face? You parents know. From a few times falling over like that, isn't it? And you watch them do it, and it's horrible. They're so tiny, they're just learning to walk, and you see them fall over, and they don't know how to put their hands out, and they just go smack on their face. Now, what I could do, I've got a boxing head guard at home, I could put that on my kids as they're growing up, and I could make sure that when they fall over, the head guard cushions their head, and they're okay. I could do that, but they're going to have to spend the rest of their lives walking around with a sweaty head guard on their head. <laughs> they're going to look silly, they're going to get made fun of, and they're never going to grow up to be a responsible adult. They're never going to grow up to, as they fall, put their hands out and stop themselves from breaking their face. So I watch them go through some necessary suffering that is part of them being raised up. If you don't suffer, then you're not living as a child of God. If you've never done without, if you think life is about being comfortable and successful, prosperous and rich and wealthy, then you're not living as a son or daughter of God. This is one of the things that is wrong with the message that often comes out on God TV and at a lot of churches. The message that you've got to be rich and healthy. One of the reasons why it's so bad is it stops you living as a son of God. A son suffers like Jesus. Jesus, the firstborn, he suffered. We're going through the process of sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus. Part of that is suffering. If you try to eliminate suffering from your life, you're saying, I don't really want to be a son. Suffering is part of being a child of God. But remember that suffering is only one of the ways Father God disciplines us. The other ways are his word and other people applying his word. Now, verse 8 is talking about discipline in general. I don't think it's narrowed down to just suffering. Verse 8 says, But if you do not experience discipline, something all sons have shared in, then you are illegitimate and are not sons. So if you've never been corrected by God's word, if you've never been corrected by anyone else, if you never allow yourself to be corrected by God's word or anyone else, then probably you've been avoiding Father God's paideia. You're not living as a true son of God. Which is why it's so important to live as a son of God where you're allowing yourself to be corrected all the time. Where the Bible corrects you, not you correcting the Bible. Or not you saying, yep, that verse agrees with what I thought. That's not the right way to do it. We don't sit over scripture, scripture's over us. Same way, if you're living your life so that other people can't speak into your lives then you're avoiding living as a son. You're living as an illegitimate son. Now, that don't bother people too much today because of where the culture's at. I'm old enough that when I was a kid, I remember where being called illegitimate 
was a bad word. People would use it to make fun of me in the playground or call me bastard. Some of you are voluntarily going back to that shame by avoiding other people who can speak into your lives. And I would urge you today, don't carry on on this path because you're not living as a son if you live this way. This is why back at our church, New Life Church, we have a big emphasis on membership so that we can live as sons together, so that we can speak into one another's lives. People's lives can be saved from it because we're committed to one another to look out for one another. We're committed to one another to be open with one another and say, this is what I'm struggling with, help me. And we need each other to be sons together. It doesn't say flee youthful lusts and end the verse there. It says flee youthful lusts along with those who call on the name of the Lord. We've got to do this thing together. And I encourage you guys, I haven't been asked by any of the pastors here to do this, but I encourage you guys to take very seriously what's going to be happening in this church the next few weeks with membership because you need it to live as a child of God. We want to live as sons. And discipline is part of being a child of God. Now, my next point, which might seem like it's stating the obvious, is that we must not avoid the Father's discipline. We must not avoid the Father's discipline. Verse 9. This really troubled me when I was growing up. Verse 9 says, Besides, we have experienced discipline from our earthly fathers, and we respected them. Shall we not submit ourselves all the more to the Father of spirits and receive life? And this bothered me growing up because I didn't identify with it. Because I was like, we've all experienced discipline from our earthly fathers. And I don't even know my dad. And a lot of you might feel that way. What we've got to understand is that scripture is not in error here. Okay, this was written 2,000 years ago to a culture where this was generally true. It's a very different culture to how we're living today. So for these guys, there was a general truth that they would have grown up being disciplined by their fathers. And he's saying, look, if you would take that and respect your fathers, how much more should you take the discipline of your heavenly father? Now for us, even if we haven't had human dads who've disciplined us as we've been growing up, the application is still the same, that we must not avoid the father's discipline. Now how do you avoid the father's discipline because we need to know how you avoid it to know how to not avoid it well one way is by not reading our bibles I mean, it's simple isn't it it's not rocket science not reading our bibles not letting others correct us even having a system of theology where you are the final say where there's no way for god to ever correct you where everything's based on your opinions and you say no i don't think god would be like that that doesn't sound like what I think God would be like. Who gives a monkeys what you think God would be like? What does the Bible say? Another way we avoid submitting the Father's discipline is not letting others correct us. And sometimes we even do that, do that with super spiritual talk. Yeah, you've all heard the certain phrases, don't touch the Lord's anointed. It's got nothing to do with how that verse gets used, okay? But that's another Bible study somewhere else. Uh, I'm washed in the same blood as you, brother. 
I actually heard a fake, a guy who wasn't even a Christian, who was training up some guys how they could pretend to be Christian evangelists. And he said to them, you know, when I ask you a question, just say, I'm washed in the same blood as you, brother. We got these little spiritual things we say to basically say, back off. Don't speak to me about that. Some people say, oh, it's just between me and God. We've got these things we do, but when we do that, we're avoiding Father God's paideia. The other thing is when we're not open with other Christians about our lifestyle. I tell you what, I love it. I love it when I phone someone up and I say, what are you doing? They go, I'm watching the telly. I love that. Not because I want them watching the telly. I love the fact they left the telly on and they're honest and telling me they're watching the telly. You know, you phone someone up, what are you doing? There's silence. Nothing. <laughs> I just love it when people are open and honest and say, this is what I've done. Or when someone says to you, last night I've done this. Help me. That's how we want to be living. Not putting on a front. Yeah, not. A lot of you travel quite a way to come here. That's enough time to have a good heated debate with your wife in the car, isn't it? Yeah. I, I used to make this journey. When we was in New Cross, it was a longer journey. You get more arguments in in that time. And then you turn up on Sunday and there's the big smile. How are you doing? Great. You could have been arguing all week long for months. But you put on the face and you're like, I'm great. And what you're doing is avoiding submitting to Father God's discipline. Remember, discipline isn't a negative thing. I'm not saying you've got to go to the elders and then they strap you up in something and get a big cane like they do in Singapore and then start whipping you with it. That's not what it is. Remember, it's a process. It starts with someone saying, oh, you know what, this, this is wrong, the way you're handling this thing. Let me help you. Another way we avoid submitting to the Father's discipline is by not going to church. Yeah, and maybe you've even used the line or you've got friends who've used it, I'm taking a break. What's that? Where's, where's that come from? Now, I've used that myself, okay? I took a break for a while, right? Terrible, terrible thing to do. And this is where we just... We come up with our own system in our mind where we're like, yeah, it's good to take a break because then I can make sure I really know what's what. And then you're just left to your own devices, listening to yourself or listening to Satan for a whole year. We've got to be really careful about this. Another way we avoid submitting to God's discipline is when we get angry with God when we suffer. And part of that is because we don't understand why we're suffering and we're thinking that we're suffering because God's angry at us. And I hope that I explained earlier and through the previous weeks that as Christians, when we suffer, it's not that God is angry with us. He's giving us that paideia, that loving discipline. We can also withdraw from God when we suffer, have an emotional hardness. You find worshiping God harder. You find praying harder. You find evangelism harder because you're not excited about God anymore because you've been through a hard time. And what you're doing there is refusing to get that hug from your heavenly father, like I talked about a few weeks ago when I was frozen and I wouldn't hug my father. We mustn't do this. We mustn't avoid submitting to the father's discipline. One reason why is because it's part of being his son. But there's another reason. It's my next point. Father God disciplines us for our benefit to make us holy. Father God disciplines us for our benefit to make us holy. Check it out. Verse 10. For they disciplined us for a while, as seemed good to them, but he, that's God, does so for our benefit, 
that we may share his holiness. He actually disciplines us for us, for our benefit. He really has got our best interests at heart. It's not like the teacher who hit you and said, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And you're like, that's a load of rubbish. I'd like to swap places then. (laughs) Father God's not like that. Okay, I do believe that God is grieved over the suffering in our life. I talked before about the two wills of God, like with Winston Churchill and that bomb. He willed to tell the people of Colchester, get out. But at the same time, he willed to let them be bombed because the war needed to be won. Same way, God does not willingly bring affliction on us. Yet at the same time, he does will it because we need it. We need to be raised up the right way. These Hebrews, right, the recipients of this letter, they're having people bust into their houses, arrest them, and drag away their possessions. They're doing it. But what we're taught here is that it's actually Father God who's doing it. Father God is disciplining his children. Now, it doesn't mean that those people who've done those bad things aren't responsible. And they will give an account for those things on the day of judgment. But at the same time, Father God is saying, I intend this for good. Just like with Joseph. What his brothers intended for bad, Joseph said, God intended for good. God disciplines us through the sufferings that go on in our lives. And he does it for our benefit. He gives us suffering for our benefit. He gives us correction for our benefit. We'd be worse off without it. We'd be spoiled brats. Listen, I've never met anyone, I don't think, who said, you know what, everything was going so good in my life. Money's not a problem. Comfort's not a problem. Friendship's not a problem. Everything's great. And I'm just getting closer and closer to God each day. I've never walked so close with God. I've never heard anyone say that. Now, I'm from a very small church, so that might be why. That's why Ephraim said today about how there's a lot of people here because he's been in our church for the last two weeks. (laughs) But I think you'll find in general it's true that through the good times, people don't tend to get that close to God compared to how close they get to God when they're suffering. When you're suffering, you spend so much more time in God's word, praying. You're at your wit's end. You stop trusting yourself. You stop relying on yourself. You start crying out to God, depending on him, approaching the throne of grace. Because suddenly you realize, oh yeah, I need that special help. Like Harriet said today, we need that all the time. But the problem is we think, now I don't need to approach the throne of grace right now because everything's gravy. But really, we need to go each day. But we forget this until we get some major suffering in our life. So when Father God gives us suffering, it's for our benefit so that we're not spoiled brats. And it's to make us holy. It says that we may share his holiness. Again, remember we talked at the beginning about the intra-Trinitarian love and how the Father is perfectly loving the Son and the Father is glorifying the Son and he's other-centered, he's not self-centered, he's other-centered because he's glorifying the Son and saying, that's my boy. Well, we see a similar thing going on here because he intends for us to share his holiness. So he's not saying, you know what, I'm going to be the holy guy and I'm just going to enjoy watching you guys be sinful. No, he's saying, I want you guys to share my holiness. What a wonderful dad. Like I said in the first week, it's not a dad who, when you tell him, oh, I've got my first boxing belt, he says, oh, well, I was Golden Gloves champion. He's not that kind of dad. He's the dad who wants his sons to share in what he's got. 
Father God disciplines us for our benefit to make us holy. Now, overlapping this point is my final point. There is a future benefit to Father God's discipline. There is a future benefit to Father God's discipline. Hebrews 12 verse 11 says, Now all discipline seems painful at the time, not joyful. Now notice it says seems painful, not joyful, which would indicate there is an amount of joy that's there in discipline, but to us it doesn't seem that way. Then it says, But later it produces the fruit of peace and righteousness for those trained by it. Disciplining, like spanking, is painful. And it doesn't seem joyful, but it says later it produces the fruit of peace and righteousness. We get closer to God through suffering. There's suffering you're going through now. A bit later on, you are going to see the fruit from that suffering. There's something that happened a couple of years ago, and I can't say what it is because of the internet and MP3s and everything. Something I learned on my estate growing up living in a high-rise block is that you never know who's going to be in the lift with you. So you've got to be careful what you do out on road because you might find yourself in the lift and then it opens at the second floor and someone gets in the lift and you've just done something to them. So I'm not going to tell you what it is. But I'll tell you something. There was something a couple of years ago that I was just every day at my wit's end and praying. I'm like, God, help me. I don't know what to do about this. So at my wit's end. It's only now I can look back and be like, you know what? A lot of fruit has come from that. Hated it. Absolutely hated it. Wouldn't want to rewind and go through it again. But I can see the fruit that's come for it. But that's only two years later that I can see the fruit of it. Same way, it was a few years ago that I realized that not growing up with my father, but growing up with my mum instead was probably the best thing that could have happened in my situation. Now, as a kid, you badly want your dad around. But I see that God has sovereignly ordained that I would be raised by my mum and that I would come to know God. And I thank God for that. But as a kid, it was hard to understand that. And us kids, I'm talking about all of us in this room, it's hard for us to understand why the Heavenly Father has done certain things in our lives. And we can't see the fruit right now. We just feel pain. It seems so painful. So we've got to cling on to these promises, memorize these verses, and know that later it produces a fruit of peace and righteousness for those who have been trained by it, those who have gone through the Father's paideia, been raised up, brought up, trained up this way. There is a future benefit to Father God's discipline. Now let's sum this up. Remember that Father God loves his children. He sent his son to die for them. He adopted them. He brought them into his family. He sought them out. He found them. He wants what's best for them. He wants to give them honey. He's pleased when we do right. We bring a smile upon his face. We cause his inmost being to rejoice. And when we do wrong, he corrects us. He corrects us through his word, through other people applying his word, and through suffering. And this is correction, not because he's angry. He's not angry with his people because Jesus Christ took all of the Father's anger, all of his wrath, on himself, on the cross. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, the Father has no anger for you. This correction is not because he's angry. It's a sign of his love and a sign of his acceptance. It's for our benefit and it makes us holy. So we should not despise this discipline. We're from a culture that despises discipline. We shouldn't hide from people in the church. 
We shouldn't hide from God and the Bible. We shouldn't scorn at suffering in our life. And we shouldn't become bitter at suffering in our life. Instead, we should want Father God's discipline. We should actually pray, Father, treat me as a son. Send someone to slap me. Discipline me so that I will be more holy and share in your holiness. So we come to our end now of this series on the Father Heart of God. And I hope that I've encouraged you to get to know the Father better, spend more time with the Father. Remember, it's not a silver bullet. You've got to meditate over these things, get to know him better. And I hope especially today that you want to put yourself in a position where you will daily be available to receive the Father's discipline and be raised up by him. Not be an illegitimate son, but be raised up, trained up by your Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Oh, Dad, I thank you so much for your discipline, for your paideia. I thank you that you don't leave us to work things out on our own. I thank you that you don't leave us to our own devices, but you raise us up, you bring us up like a loving father. I pray for all of us in this room that you would train us, raise us up, Lord, discipline us, help us to understand your discipline in the right way, protect us from running away from it, Forgive us, God, for how often we respond the wrong way to your discipline. And I pray that in this church, God, you bring a whole heap of healing. A whole heap of healing for people who don't have dads. I pray that you would compensate and overcompensate, God, by revealing your father heart to people in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.